this is part of, I think, art making too, where you get these like flowering moments, right? And we all kind of work towards them and suddenly it happens and, and you're, you know, have a party and you're just like, you know, hugging everyone. It's like this amazing feeling. And then, and then it's sort of like, dissolves into the into the universe back into the universe and and you're just sort of left in your in your cold dark room <laughs> you know um uh and those those are are those are scary moments i always found like that to be maybe like the hardest part of of the artist's life yeah the moment after this is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte, identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Hello, hello, hello. Once again, everybody to Way of the Artist podcast. Uh, we're just going to dive right in. We don't know where this conversation is going to go today, but we have a fantastic guest on, um, someone who I recently just met in the community I just uh, recently moved to. Uh, today we've got Chad Herschler. He's an actor, writer, and the founder, artistic director of Deer Crossing the Art Farm. It's an organization of creative community builders based out of five acres on the Sunshine Coast. The art farm is now 12 years young with all sorts of exciting projects on the go. You can go and check them out at DeerCrossingTheArtFarm.org to find out more about them. Uh, and, and in his words, more importantly, he is a husband to an amazing woman, an artist, Sandy Buck, and father to two wild and extraordinary forces of nature, Maggie and Sky. Chad, thank you very much for being with us tonight. Thank you, uh, Evan. I'm, I am truly flattered and honored to be here, and um, it's nice to hear uh, those words being said back to me. That was, that was, uh, that was a nice intro. Uh, <laughs> just a reminder of like all of the things that you do and have done <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's always um i don't know about you but i i find sometimes you've got your head just in the um your i don't know i don't want to say in the sand but just in the wherever you're going and you're not always looking back at at what you've done 12 years is a long time yeah well i mean i think in some ways that's kind of the way that you want things to be, you know, it's like you want to be moving towards like whatever's next, you know, you need to let go of the stuff that you did before. But every now and then it it is good to just kind of take a look back, you know, it's like hiking up the mountain, you take a moment to just <laughs> yeah. see how far you've come and see how high you've climbed and, and just go, oh, wow, here we are. So yeah, have a have a little bit of trail mix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly take a take a moment or two to just enjoy mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um i want to say that this you you gave me the opportunity to come and see this incredible uh ongoing evolving project um that is the art farm. I, I hope that calling it a project isn't an offensive term to you. I, I don't 
because I... <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's anything but an offensive term. I mean, to me, that's kind of what um, anything like this is, right? I mean, it's it's uh, it's a it's an ongoing experiment, and um, and and project fits fits nicely. Well, rather than than me try to describe all of the things that you do, all of the things that you bring together through the art farm, I'm going to let you put it in your own words. What What is the art farm and where did this thing come from? What are the origins? Oh, damn. I was hoping you would just take that on for me. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can. I, 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 I did prepare. <laughs> no, this, but... no, that's all good. I, I can I can give this a go. I am. Uh, I'm quickly. I will raise a glass to Brandon as well. It's it's uh, I, I'm just meeting Brandon for the first time. And uh, it's nice to I, I just want to say thank you as well for welcoming me to this. Um, yeah, the um, the art farm uh, it began kind of on a, a I don't want to say a whim, but but because uh, it certainly wasn't a whim. There was there was a there was sort of drive that brought us to the Sun Sunshine Coast originally. My my partner Sandy and I, um, we were both um, we, we were both artists in kind of overlapping fields. I was in the theater and uh, writing kind of world and also dabbling in film and TV. And then uh, my wife, Sandy, was uh, a costume designer, uh, textile artist, um, all sorts of amazing kind of things that she, she would do and continues to do to this day. Um, and, and strangely enough, um, I suppose we were at points in our careers where uh, for both of us, we had sort of achieved a certain level of of success, accomplishment, kind of feeling like, oh, there was a goal that we had set ourselves and we had achieved it. Um, so in, in my wife's case, she was uh, uh, in costume design. She had designed this amazing independent film called Even the Fire Horse. Uh, I'd strongly recommend it to people to go and check it out. Um, this is in 2005, I believe. And, um, she was nominated for a national film, you know, award for this costume design. And, and then in my case, I had, uh, from a young age, always looked up to the, the actors at Bart on the beach and dreamed of, of having a kind of lead role at Bart on the beach. And I, that, that the summer of 2006, I, I said, my dream came true. And, and, uh, and we actually met at that time in our lives and both of us uh, had this feeling of something missing in our lives, some kind of gap, even though we'd, um, even though we had achieved some level of success, it, it, something felt hollow about it and continuing to kind of try to keep going up that rung just didn't feel right. And, uh, and actually, it was on our our first one of our first dates. Um, we were we you know we were just sort of asking each other, oh, "What's your what's your dream?" And and, uh, and Sandy asked me that question, and I said, "Well, I've always kind of just dreamed of moving to outside of the city and getting a piece of land and starting like an artist 
oasis like that was it that was all you know she's like oh my god that's my dream you can't steal my dream <laughs> so uh um yeah anyways from that point then there was this crazy synergy six months later um my parents were kind of shopping around for a piece of land that they could they could kind of just put some money down and invest in and they they kind of had a vision not of an artist oasis but of something in that realm so they're quite they're, they're very artistic themselves and um and uh sandy and i were engaged and we said okay we will we're gonna just be the ones to pay that mortgage and try to steward this so that was oh man that was oh seven oh seven oh six oh seven and um yeah the, the crazy thing was we were moving to this piece of land um, on the, a year to the day that we had met. It was just a nutty, nutty year. Hmm. Anyways, I'm giving you the longest, longest answer to your question. We, uh, we arrived on, on this incredible piece of land. Um, and honestly, it, it humbled us in the first year. Um, it, it's humbling to a move from the city to the country. I think, and in this case, we were really like the wilderness is at our doorstep. Um, I I was kind of like all city boys. I was terrified of bears and all the wildlife. And then suddenly all the blackberries coming to life and overtaking everything. So it was just a humbling experience to, to, to move here. And with no clarity on what we were doing, um, so we had one foot in the city and one foot here. And then, um, I think there was this feeling of, fuck, have we made, have we made a mistake? Like, did, was this really what we wanted to do? And one day, uh, we were looking out and, and, uh, at the property and Sandy was, um, just kind of musing. And she, she said, well, you know what, um, this property is zoned for farming and, um, we're artists, so why don't we just start an art farm? <laughs> and I, I just like the just the hearing those two words together, I was like, oh yeah, totally. And we Googled art farm, and saw there were like eight or nine of them around the world, all of them so different and interesting. And we're we're like, hey, like yeah, let's do that. Let's call ourselves an art farm. And that's literally how it began. Wow. Uh, just, just with those two words. And suddenly um, we promoted ourselves that way and that attracted um, the right people to us. And I think it repelled the right people as, as well. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so it, it, uh, it began with those two words. Um, and I'd say six years of really experimental kind of events and projects and productions that didn't necessarily have a cohesive um, framework. It was just, hey, this person had an idea, let's try to scramble together, get some, some money, some resources and, and do it. So it was that kind of thing. And then after about six or seven years, uh, actually it was more like maybe eight years and we were producing a festival and we were putting on a circus in the forest and we were doing these you know, crazy projects during the year with students and youth and really inspiring stuff. But we were wiped and burnt out and we were at that kind of 
cusp of okay either we we uh, fold this idea and you know go back to our regular careers or we really figure out how to make this sustainable and at that point through some miracle of of the universe all all these kind of amazing people came out of the woodwork to i think help stabilize us uh, on our board, uh, on our staff team. And we've now, uh, that's when we developed this concept of creative community building. Um, and I can get into more about that later on, but um, that, that concept really became the, the, the nucleus of, of, of our organization. Um, and it, it, gave us something to kind of be a touchstone about why we would choose to do certain projects or why we would choose to partner with certain people or organizations. And it, hmm. um, yeah, just gave us this really solid framework. And since then we've, you know, we've grown into this, this solid, um, young, but solid organization that has five full-time staff members and part-time staff and contractors through the year. So it feels really, um, in that way, kind of a miracle. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That, you know, the thing I'm, I'm, when I'm listening to your story, like you don't necessarily know what it's going to be. You don't know what's going to happen or where you're going to go. But if the through line of that story is like intention, cause you're like, I want to do this art thing. <laughs> it's like, and it's right. like I want to do this art thing. And then you guys, cause your intention brought you together. And then you guys went off and did this art thing and you didn't know what you're going to do. And then it like, you, you went around for several years and then you're like, okay, we need to really like, we've been kind of floundering. Maybe we need to kind of figure this out. And then you set another intention and then that kind of activated it. And I think that's such a, uh, integral part of like an artist's journey. You know, it's like you kind of, so much of creativity is kind of going, okay, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's see if this works. And it's so experimental. And then it's kind of reminding me, like there is a certain point where you just have to go, intention and then let that thing like take a direction because and it kind of like it's interesting how your journey kind of unfolded like that and you just kind of got to the point where like we need to make an intention like not like you didn't say that but it's like that's what you did and it's cool how it kind of got more and more focus into obviously what it is today totally uh no that's really well put it it, it um it i when we first started the only kind of clarity we had was that we didn't have clarity and and then you know and and that um we, we actually my my wife is really uh she's she has some um, indigenous heritage and she's quite um connected to the the um animal medicines so she she pulled a bunch of the animal like spirit animal cards just for to kind of give us this guidance as we stepped on this journey and um, the one that I still remember to this day is the Raven because it, it Raven is, is really about stepping into the void and the darkness. And, and it, it's to me, that is a skill that artists have. They've developed a capacity to take that step. Mm. Not that other people can't. In fact, lots of people do and, and don't always give themselves credit for it, but just artists do it on a, on a continual basis. You go in for your first 
I don't know, well, you sit down to write a book, you know, it's like that you're stepping into the void, right? You, you go in for your first day of rehearsal for a show, you are stepping into the void. You don't know what that relationship is going to be like. You don't know. So many things are, are unformed. And um, yeah, you kind of develop a sense of both excitement around it, trepidation. We're all super scared of it. Um, but just sort of a stamina, maybe like a, a sense of endurance for that. It's interesting um, to to all of our listeners. You know, we have all these artist laws, which um, people can go and, and listen to the the stuff that we recorded a long time ago about like all these particular things. But we share those with with we shared them with you. We share them with all of our guests, and and we ask everyone to say like, well, what are some of the ones that stand out to you? And you know, the ones you picked were like unknown, and <laughs> and play and curiosity, which you know, like I think are both elements that you just sort of brought up in in that thing, like mm -hmm. stepping into that void, into that darkness. But also, you know, it requires this sense of play and curiosity in order to kind of navigate that space, in order to to in some ways counteract the fears and the anxieties that come yeah, up totally. with stepping into that space. That is bang on. Yeah, that is like it's the, it's the, uh, I, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but it, it's almost the, um, without the play and curiosity, um, y you're, you're kind of naked and, and, um, vulnerable and, and like, it, it, there's just, it would be so difficult to kind of go into anything without uh, that sense of play and curiosity, um, yeah. You know, you know, it's interesting to me, it just like this, it's, I'm just noticing, like, this is interesting the way the conversation's going, because I'm listening to your story and it's actually like making a lot of stuff click for me personally as an artist, because um, uh, for one, I coach people on writing scripts and stuff and, and I write them myself, but um, two things that have come up. One is that I have a student that's been talking to me a lot about horror films and stuff like that. And back in university, I wrote a paper about it. And what I learned when I wrote this paper was that what's scary and frightening is that you don't understand it. You don't know how it's going to attack you. You don't get it. it. You don't know how to escape it. You don't know how to run away from it. That's what makes it scary. Once you solve those answers, it ceases to be frightening anymore. And what you did was in a lot of ways going to the unknown. It has all those elements, which makes it so frightening and so scary. And like, I don't know. Right. But um, that combination of play, and curiosity that kind of goes into it makes that stuff so much less frightening because you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to play at it as opposed to like, I'm going to run from it or I need to protect myself from it. And to kind of bring this back around, um, I've been working on this TV series for probably a year and a half and I've been pitching it, but I haven't really had it all together. But every time I pitch it, people are like, there's something there. And, but I still don't know how to put all the pieces together. And so it's kind of frightening, but it's interesting because it's reminding me, it's like, yeah, just go into this from a sense of play. Because mm. when you don't know what you're about to do, <laughs> you know, it's like, you might as well play at it because it's not a scary monster. But I think there's so many people like they have creative impulses and they don't, including myself. You don't go into it because you maybe you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to mess it up somehow. But that's the wrong thing to focus on. It's just focus on the, well, let's try this. Let's try that. And um, yeah, it's yeah. it's the the I think um, there's a 
obviously for a lot of us, there's the fear of getting it wrong or being judged or like all the, all the normal human emotions that, that kind of stop us in our tracks in general, that probably play a vital role in getting us through the day without, you know, getting into fights and, or, or, you know, ending up in the wrong place. Like there's, there's sort of, there's a reason why we have those, those, those impulses. But then when you are going into a place of, of unknown or going into that kind of creative space, it, it, yeah, you, you have to keep your eyes. I remember someone saying to me once, just like every once in a while, just put your, just put your artist goggles on, you know, it's like, just put mm. those on. And then, and then it, it, it's like, it's really as simple as that. It's like, Oh yeah. Just look at things through like the lens of an artist. Right. And anyone can do that. And then you are, you're, you're, you're curious, you're open. It's like, Oh, I'm really interested in what the solution to this crazy problem is and how it's going to unfold. Um, Man, that's that like that's, that's great. You just basically like captured what this show is basically all about <laughs> right there. You know, like everyone's an artist. You put those artist goggles on. That's what we're trying to do. And, and what we um, try and advocate for is put those things on because there's all of this uh, vibrant, incredible life that happens when you do that. And suddenly there's also solutions to challenges and problems and and there's creativity abound you know, when we learn to just kind of do that. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I was trying to come up with the word that's like, yeah, that's <laughs> it. But I couldn't find it. Um, but uh, yeah, like, I, um, you know, when, when we were feeling that gap um, in our lives, Sandy and I, we couldn't articulate it at the time and it was only many years later that we could look back and go, Oh, I see what that was. And it, and it really was um, acknowledging that there is a, a vital role for that experience in everyone's lives, you know, like it's, and, and that, that right now it's, it's because arts has become so professionalized, which I, I don't have an issue with, professional arts. I mean, I am a professional artist. I don't, I don't in any way take exception to that. It's just that it's become this professionalized experience. So a lot of people will be, if, if they haven't chosen to devote themselves to, to this, to a career, they'll very quickly say, Oh no, I'm not, I'm not an artist or I'm not creative or that's not me. And, and, and it inhibits um, at times their own kind of experiences of in their lives. And, and, um, I certainly see it even more now kind of in the, in the age we're living in, um, you know, as we, you know, all the crises that we're kind of facing in, in, in the world requires a, and frankly, a playful spirit to, to really um, try to, to, to um, confront those and, and solve them, you know, so. That was, you know, I started a film school several years back and that was a big thing for me. I, it's my big issue with film school because film school is very much like not, not all, some, some are a little better than others, whatever. But like uh, for a lot of part, it's very industrial. School in general is industrial and <laughs> Evan's heard me rant 
about this. <laughs> but it's very industrial and it's like that. You know, it's teaching you to professionalize art. And that's there's a problem in that because like something I've talked to a lot of students who like um they're like, well, I could just go to film school. And it's like, yeah, you could. You could go to film school and you'll probably work on someone else's film. But the, like, are you here to work on someone else's film or are you here to make your own film? And to be your own film requires being an artist. And being an artist means sometimes doing stuff that, you know, someone's not there to give you the answer. Here's the right way to shoot it. Here's the right way to do it. Here's the right camera to use. Sometimes I think your education actually stops you from being creative because you're like, well, I don't have the thing or I can't professionalize it to the level that they're professionalizing it. And and when I made my first film, and I've told this to Evan and to our podcast people enough, but I had to borrow my friend's mom's camera. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I made it. And we didn't have an editing machine, so I had to shoot it in sequence because that was the only way to cut it together. And um, this little film like won at this little festival, and I never planned on putting it there. But because my mind wasn't on professionalizing it, uh-huh. it had total creativity, which made it really authentic and really good. And, you know, in this juncture in my life, I'm actually trying to go back to that kid who didn't have what I know now, because I think a lot of times what I think I know now is actually my professional mind just getting in the way of my creativity, you know, like, um, it, it really is true. I mean, a lot of our conversations in the beginning of Evan and I used to talk about before this became way of the artist was just how to balance artistry and industry. And it's such a pressure that artists face, you know, because we're all trying to make this our, our life, right. Our livelihood in a lot of ways, but yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That's a, that's, I think one of the toughest battles because it's, um, I I mean, I could go on forever about that, but I've seen like the, what you have in, in, you know, in a kind of capitalist system where, where you, you need to kind of create value, right? That's, that's the only way you can sell something is to create value. And in the arts, um, there's two, maybe three ways to do that. One is commercially to, to, to kind of make it a popular item that can, that can make a profit, right? So, so that's one way. Um, so to be popular, the other way is to um, kind of uh, create a bit of mystique or a, like a, an elitist sort of mystique around around you, and and so you're written up in magazines or you get you know grants or awards, right? Um, and then I think. No, that's about it. I think those are the basically the two ways <laughs> <laughs> that you create, that you create value, right? And yeah. and that's, that's like I mean that's there's not a lot of room in there for um, that that can you know if you, it's hard to sometimes find the room for 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 the playful uh, the playful spirit. Uh, but it's it, it I think there are ways that are emerging, and I think what you're doing and the um, even just trying to reach beyond the traditional market space in a way like that, that, and that was always kind of an impulse for us too. Like let's get it out of theaters and out of, um, out of galleries and out of these traditional spaces. Again, 
these spaces are amazing and I, I continue to support them and I love them, but let's, let's find where there are other ways that, that art and creativity sort of pops up in our lives and has a role to play um, because ultimately that's also going to be good for, for, I think, professionals and for the arts in general. Mm-hmm. And but, I think there's this whole other element. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Evan, sorry. But no, like, no, there's, this whole other, there's this whole <laughs> other element of art that doesn't always get talked about, but it's the fulfillment, right? Like, why are any of us doing this crazy thing? Because like, for me, I don't know, like, and I, I don't think I'm alone here. I think that we go into the arts because there's something that we want to fulfill. And it's like, even when you're talking with your now wife on your first date, that's such a great question. Artists like, you know, that's such an artist question. It's what's your dream, you know? I don't think everybody asks each other that question. And um, I think that that's a great question to come back to, you know, 13 years later, um, even for you, you know, or just me, like, you know, ever since I, I was 17 I, or 16, made my first film. It's like, what was my, what was the thing I was trying to fulfill? You know, it was, cause that's, I don't think that changes in a lot of ways. Like that's kind of the question you kind of need to keep coming back to. And, and I don't think the industry as much as it's nice to succeed, I don't think it actually answers that question very well. Like, I think it helps <laughs> and it's nice, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I mean, so that was my question for you really is like, what do you find fulfilling about the art farm? Like what, what is in that? Like, wh- where does that, what, what's that satisfy for you? Oh uh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's, there's the fulfillment in the relationships we form. So I, I would say that's maybe the, the, the like ground or the foundational level of the fulfillment. So there's just these really um, powerful relationships with uh, unexpected, you know, partners or people that you, you know, so, so we, um, for example, one of the projects we're working on right now is, is we're collaborating with a group of people living with dementia and their care partners and, you know, students who are studying kind of therapeutic recreation and um, people who are professionals in that field. So it's this really wide ranging collaboration. Um, And in the moments where we get to really collaborate um, and play and create with, with the, um, with the people, especially with the people living with dementia, because they're, they are, um, and I'm generalizing a bit here, but it's, it's kind of true across the board. There's something that is liberated in, in the dementia. So there's a, there's almost like, uh, um, the, all the, the inhibitions that we, that we develop over our adult lives, um, as, as dementia starts to kind of, um, take away certain functions in our brain, it actually removes some of those inhibitions. So when we get into exercises and we're playing and we're doing, you know, activities, um, it's profound and moving and, and, you know, getting to, getting to share that with other people, getting to help others experience that for themselves is probably the next level of fulfillment so that, um, cause it's, it's, uh, again, it's in, it, the, the artist goggles um, works here too. We, we, we always say to audiences who are coming to experience this work, you come with, with a, like 
a certain set of eyes. So if you if you walk into that, um, if you walk into this kind of performance or or interaction um, with an agenda or with a, with a certain expectation, or you know you impose a certain thing on it, it's you will you will miss the magic. And um, so that's very fulfilling. Yeah, yeah. I, I that that's all so incredible, and and I think to me it it touches on what you were talking about earlier and, and I did want, you mentioned it and I did want to get into it, this uh, sort of mandate and ethos of creative community building, like, especially like in that example of, of, you know, working with people with dementia um, like that, that to me, like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like that seems to me like to be a, a quite a reflection of what that whole thing is actually about. You know, like it's bringing bringing creativity to all members of the community to engage in. And there's something about artistry and creativity that that can bring people together in a really incredible way. And and just that one example just is something I would never have even considered, but seems to be such a, a terrific illustration of what you're trying to do. Yeah, it is. It's a um, yeah. It, it's it's interesting because the so so the the um, the phrase creative community building, I guess just we we sort of stumbled on that one too, and and it it made it just made sense. Um, we start all of our projects kind of come from that place of creative engagement, and they they usually end up in some kind of creative outcome. So that's all part of it. And then the, they're they're always is some kind of community building element. Sometimes the community building is really as simple as, oh, we brought all these people together who wouldn't normally have come together and they put on a show and that built a community, that little community, which we've all experienced, right? I mean, we've been in shows, we've been on in film sets or whatever it is, like they're little mini communities that, and these, these great relationships form and then these really like sour relationships form, but it's all like part of the, of the, of that community. And um, so there's that element, but, but then beyond that with this project, um, collaborating with people with, with dementia. So um we, we have a website, uh, imaginationnetwork.org, that people can go and visit to just learn more about that project. The, the, um, so what we're learning is that dementia is, people think of dementia as a, as a kind of a neurological disease, which it is. It's a, it's a degenerative disease. But it's a social disease. It's a disease of the community. So everyone we're all living with dementia because we're, we all have to figure out how we're going to integrate people with dementia into our communities, right? So this, this project has really um, brought that kind of out. It surfaced that in, because in order for us to figure out how are we going to collaborate meaningfully with people living with dementia? How are we going to actually create a show or, a, or you know, exercises or a creative process that really enables them to play an active role in it. That work is, is um, kind of providing some, some, uh, I guess, insight into, into how communities can better integrate 
their members living with dementia in again meaningfully into um as as citizens as active members of their community that's that's probably the the, the you know the main value that that particular project is trying to <clears throat> is trying to work with um because i think um in that case there's there's this feeling that that i think all of us share of of just desperate sadness at, at having to kind of lock people away and you know that that's the only way we've figured out how to manage this right it just feels like that just doesn't feel good it doesn't feel like none of us would really want that for ourselves or for our families so yeah that's a great example and um and and to be honest similar to the art farm it's it's uh we stumbled on the term and it made sense and then it's like let's define it let's figure out what that means along the way and um and this 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 project sort of shown us another given us another prism into it so it's still something that like like with everything in this conversation <laughs> it seems and, and everything about your story it's like you know it starts from this place and as you go along what it's really about, you know, and the and the different avenues it could take is starts to just kind of be revealed. You don't really know what it is until you're in it. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I feel like that is in a way the artist's way, right? Like you you go in. I mean, some people, I suppose, when they're writing something, have a very clear idea of okay, it's going to go to here, to here, to here, to here. Maybe uh, most people they just are like, oh, I have this. I have this notion of a thing <laughs> I'm gonna, and then they just go there and that leads them to this and that leads them to that. So, and if you, it's, yeah, I guess it's tapping into something bigger than yourself. I guess that's really what that's doing, right? It's like, it's opening yourself up to the possibility that you don't know everything mm -hmm. and <laughs> there's, there's, um, yeah, there's sort of an intelligence that's a little bigger than you. It's kind of like uh, we've talked, actually, we talked about this a bit in the last several episodes, but like um, it's come up a bit about that idea of you're kind of riding a wave. Like you're not, you're not the force that's driving it to some degree. You're riding it, you know, like, or at least that's something that I've been finding. It's like, um, you know, I, I think that the, there is, I think everybody to some degree wants to control, right? We want to feel a certain amount of control, a certain amount of power over things. But um, I think for the really big things and especially the things that are new, it's so much about letting go of control, which is so frightening. It's so scary because you're like, well, what's going to happen? You know, where am I going to go? And I always try to remind myself that like, I don't know. I think it comes down to philosophy. I really think you have to say like something to yourself, like the university or the universe has my back or, you know, like something here, like, for example, something that I try to remind myself is like the more wind blows on a tree, the more the tree knows it needs to drive its roots into the ground. You know what I mean? It's like the very thing that you think is hard on you is actually causing you to build what you need. And I don't know that I need to grow my roots, but the wind tells me. So I do it but in response to being in the process of, <laughs> in yeah. this case, being a tree. <laughs> right, right. 
That's great. That's a great, that's a great uh, phrase. Did you, did you come up with that? Or is that like something someone uh, told you? Come I, on, take credit. I guess I, <laughs> I, I came up with it in my own way. I feel like it came from philosophy studies and it came from just general art and stuff, but yeah, yeah like it kinda, it's how I made sense of it because yeah, like, um, Brandon I, loves his analogies. I do love my analogies. <laughs> he really does. You, you just need to write the book, right? So write then the you've book, got, yeah. yeah, I can see that. It's just all you need is, you know, a hundred analogies and like read one a day or. There yeah. you go. Okay. Here, I got a question for you. How much, so you're, you're 13 years into the art farm. Um, how much do you look into the future? How much does the future actually, it's a three part question, I suppose. How much does the future actually actualize? that you look into and how much of that is a discovery that you find out? Like how, how does, how are you finding the whole thing with, cause this is an evolving thing. Like it's like, it started, okay, it's kind of this and maybe you have a plan. How much do things go to plan? How much do they go off the plan? And how does that, how do you handle that? <laughs> uh, okay. So, so first, first, first uh, part, um, they go wildly off plan. That's, that's totally a hundred percent. They go wildly off plan. Um, that said, uh, there's been, I don't know, some sense of, uh, I guess a, 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 as, as the project has grown, I feel like I've had, I, I've been able to kind of sharpen my focus a little so that, that, um so so that it's less it's it's maybe a little less like whoa it goes on all these crazy you know shoots going everywhere it's a little more like the the plant has maybe has a, a little uh help me with this analogy brandon the, I, the, love uh, <laughs> I love it <laughs> it's uh you know it's just a stronger a, a, a clearer kind of okay that's that we're not going to go over here like that far over here we're going to still stay in this general direction um, so yeah, I, it's, it's been an, an interesting balance in, in the case of the art farm where, um, you know, we have this inc incredible team. There's, um, you know, there's, like I said, five of us full time, many others that are part time. Uh, and then there's the sort of teams of people that surround the different projects and, um, and somehow, this has taken a while, but somehow we've managed to find the balance um, at the staff level and the board level. So we've, we've got that for the organization where there are enough people that kind of think, are thinking more pragmatically and looking into the future. And, and, and I count myself in that camp. Like I, I'm a lot more pragmatic than, than, um, I think I imagined I was. And then, um, you know, my, my wife, for example, is, I always sort of, I see her as our kind of secret sauce, the kind of the, the magic in a way of, of the art farm, like, and, and she'll drive me absolutely crazy. <laughs> like she'll come up with ideas that are just, it's like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, there's no way, why would we do that kind of ideas? And then, I, I always, I mean, at the beginning, I was always like, no, there's no way we're just not doing it. And Sandy, as far as that analogy goes, like if I say no, her roots go in like 
hundred feet deeper. And she's <laughs> like, I'm, you've just made it. So you've made it so that I'm going to do this. So, so she would do it anyways. And, um, and then over time I've been, uh, whenever I get that feeling of like, that's totally nuts. Uh, I always sleep on it. And then I'll just kind of go back and go, okay, just explain this to me more. And so she, um, and, and there's a, there's a, a number of other people like that. So I, it's almost like, yeah, organically that has happened where there's a bit of that balance and, and we do switch roles at times. Um, all of us, like sometimes, um, I'll have ideas that, that she'll be like, that's nuts. And we still end up going there. I don't know if I'm really answering your question. I'm just, I'm just, I know Evan and Kat so well. I'm just like, <laughs> you guys are mirror couple. <laughs> well, which one? Who's who? I'm curious. Oh, who, like in, mm -hmm. in, in my relationship? I, yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, my, yeah, like my, I, I mean, I would say that, that my wife is the one who's, who's always like, got these ideas and is pushing to do these things. And I'm just like, you're gonna, you're gonna give me like a heart attack way too early <laughs> in my life. <laughs> um, you know, and she's always just, she's, she's pushing the boundaries in in certain ways, especially with like taking action on certain things. I'm a, I'm a ruminator, you know, like, um, uh -huh. um, you know, and, and I'll, I'll often have like kind of big ideas, but she's the one who'll, who'll, who'll be like, well, like, well, let's go, let's do it. Um, right. <laughs> a little more impulsive, a little more like, okay, we're going to do it. And then doing it as opposed to, uh, letting it gestate a little yeah. more. Yeah. 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 And, and, I, and I, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to, I want it to be more, more on you, but just to, to finish off. Um, but like I can be, I, not again, like the roles can, can switch, you know, like it's not, it's never just one, one singular way, but, um, you know, I can be the one who, because like when I choose to do something, I'm, I'm a person who's just like, well, if we do this, then we're doing it the whole way, you know, like it's, um, and, and so like her kind of impulsiveness, it can kind of be like, well, this is just really about getting, getting out the door. <laughs> uh -huh, right. right. And so then like, it's kind of like, all right, well, I've got to make, you know, I can sometimes have to be the one who, who champions the thing to it being the finish line to the finish line. Yeah. 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 So, That's so interesting. Yeah. That's, but it's an that, important thing because I and can. And she gets I you can, off your butt though from thinking about it. Exactly, like because yeah. I could sit on. I can sometimes just sit on the fence for way too long, and uh, so it's <laughs> it it works out well. It's it it gives me anxiety at times, but I know it's 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 usually for the best. <laughs> oh man, I no, that's like it. I, I feel I totally relate to that and and that need like that gestation, and I think. Um, uh, writers are live in that more, right? Writers, they, they'll, it's like, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm working, even like, I don't do a lot of, of, of my own writing these days. I'm mostly kind of just in the world of the projects and trying to figure those out. But, but, uh, but I find, um, you know, I'll go, I'll be working and so much of it, you, you know, there's, there's maybe 15 minutes of, of, of like tap, tapity tap, tap, tap. And then there's like an hour and a half of, okay, I'm going to go and get a coffee and I'm going to like, you know, 
I don't know, do, do dishes. I'm going to go you know, walk the dog. And, and I'm, I'm working that entire time. Like my, everything's still kind of running, but it's just all happening in a way that I, I can't, I'm not sitting and, and working. And so my, um, you know, my, my, I, I don't think Sandy totally is like that. Like when she's working, she's working, she's in her studio, she's doing stuff. She's constantly like moving, moving and working on something. So, um, I, I, I relate to that, um, that, that balance. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody's got their own, their own process when it comes to creativity, because some people, you know, they do need to just sit down and like, just hammer something out and other people need time to, yeah, like let things kind of gestate. And one of my, um, you know, the best one of the best acting teachers I've I've ever had I remember you know when we first started working with text and he handed us our scenes and he said like I want all of you to go back to your rooms and just be in a space by yourself and I want you to read the scene through three times quietly to yourself don't don't speak those words don't do anything and his whole thing was just like i want those things to just like start churning up inside you because like if 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 you start practicing these lines immediately you know he's like i don't want you getting attached and hung up on one interpretation of your first time through it you know and uh it's a practice I've stayed with me. I, I wanted to just bring that up because, you know, you had mentioned that with writing, but I'm like, I see, I, I've had an experience with this in acting as well. You know, like there's just, there's, there's this give and take, this push and pull, this fluid like nature to that whole creative process. And, and I think it's so important what you just said, because I think that a lot of creatives and artists have an idea of what working looks like. And it's like, oh, well, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. And it's like, yeah, but like maybe that walk that you just went for was the thing that cracked this, cracked it all open for you, you know, that that provided an insight that that you wouldn't have had if you had just tried to like force something to totally. work and hammer something out. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's, there's uh, science to back that up. Like the, um, there, I was reading the, um, Michael Pollan has a book. Uh, I don't know if you know that the author, Michael Pollan, he, he writes mostly about food, but he has a book about um, uh, psilocybin, like about, about um, mushrooms and all the different psilocybins, right? He, he decided that he was like, he, he came from a place of quite straight laced and he would never do that sort of thing. And, and, uh, and so in his fifties, I think his kids had moved on or his one child had moved on and, and, uh, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to just explore this. And he, he, he dove into it uh, as a, as a journalist writer kind of exploring it and all the science and literature, but then he also tried it out himself, like all these different, you know, these, these different uh, experiences. But he, uh, he talks about this one um, experiment with uh, where they, they, they took people's brains and they hooked up the whatever stuff they need to hook up to their brains. Um, 
and to, to sort of see how the, the neural networks are, are firing, right? So, so generally when we are, um, when we're g going through our day, um, that there's, and I'm going to completely bastardize the science here, so, so pardon me, <laughs> but there's basically the front part of our brain, which is where the executive function is, is, is placed, right? So that's where we're kind of, everything's flying through that part of our brain. So you imagine that's like grand central station, right? And almost all when we're going, you know, walking or getting on the bus or going through our day, that's, that's how the, the neural networks are going. They're just firing through that. Everything goes to that place and then out again. They also call it, uh, or at least he described it as a conductor, right? So it sort of conducts our day, right? And, uh, and so similar to what we were talking about earlier, if, if we didn't have that, if that, if that executive function wasn't there, um, it would be really tough. Right, like every time we saw a chair, we'd be like, "Wow, what is that thing that's shaped in that way that that kind of has a you know, oh, yeah. you know, like you you your brain immediately knows it's a chair." So what they did is they um, hooked up people's you know brains when they were on psilocybin, and they noticed, "Oh, wow, the the uh, the that executive function just kind of disappears." And you end up with um, things firing off in all directions. So all parts of our brain are just going to all different parts of the brain. So you're making connections that you wouldn't normally make. They did the same thing with people who were meditators. So people who had done like, you know, meditation for, for a long time, very similar. And the same with, with artists, poets, you know, writers, very similar. When they're in that, that sort of flow state, that's what's happening. And so it, what can happen is if for some people, if you're at the computer or you're, you're in a certain kind of zone and you're, it's that part of your brain is, is taking over. So it's really hard to start making those connections. But if you go for a walk or you're doing something else, suddenly it frees you up a bit and, and it, you might release and start making connections that you wouldn't have made. Yeah. I think that front of, front of your, I studied psychology actually in university, <laughs> front of your brain the frontal lobe, you know, all that, it, it, it gets in the way a lot of art. It, it, because, it, because it's so controlling. It's so like, uh, like it, it follows the rules and it, it categorizes, it understands what things are logic, right? Like in a lot of ways, it's trying to put those things together. And it's like, um, you know, I, I, I've told them and, and the podcast people a lot about this one script, but I wrote this hey, one podcast script. people. Yeah. They're out there. <laughs> um, but the one script I, I wrote, uh, it, it came out in like two days. I probably walked around for probably months, if I'm honest, but really like three weeks start. It's real like gestation period. And then one day I'm just like, okay, I think it's, I'm ready to write it. I sat down and it was like a Saturday. I sat down, I wrote half the script. I came home. It took me eight hours. I came back and I say, I wrote the other half and the script was done. And it was like Holy two days shit. and it was just like, boom. And what was weird about this particular script for me was that I don't really remember writing it as much as I remember experiencing it. It was more like it was just living that experience. Mm. And um, uh, it's, it, it's interesting because it's one of those scripts is kind of like um, I, I've shown my, my important people and, you know, someone came back to me today and they said, you know, you wrote that script and it just naturally escalated. Cause they're, I'm learning escalation in the Southern writing school. Mm -hmm. I was like, 
shit, man. I just thought about it. I'm like, <laughs> I wasn't even trying to escalate that shit. Like I was right. just, I was just writing a story somehow and experiencing it. And like the, the person, he was like, yeah, you, you just, he's like, you have an innate ability to naturally escalate. And I was like, I, I don't know if I do. <laughs> like, that's the weird thing about artistry and like yeah. still Simon too. It's, it's, it's like that where you, those executive functions, they kind of turn off and you're not, it's weird how it works, but you're not trying to do it. And to me, that's like where I want my art to exist because I find that's not only the best feeling, but like amazing shit comes out that you don't expect to come out of you. You know? Oh yeah. That's the dream space. Yeah. That's the space we all, I mean, totally. And I, and, and in terms of the relationship to acting, like, I, I don't know about you, Evan, but I feel like, you know, 99% of the work I do in acting when I act is like, how do I get out of my fucking head? Yeah. You know, it's like, how <laughs> do I do that? You know, so I'm not constantly thinking you know, and so I, I, I like, you know, it's been years since I did, you know, uh, since I was really do, in the rigors of it, but I would almost have to trick my brain. I'd have to like come up with things to occupy it so that I, I could, I could just, you know. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, my sort of the motto of, of my, my school and my workshops is we say like the actor's greatest problem or greatest challenge isn't a technical one it's a human one mm -hmm. because the problem of thinking <laughs> like thinking too much right, <laughs> that's right. not just an actor's problem that's a, <laughs> that's a human problem we're all we all have this uh this addiction to thinking uh and and very often that thinking gets in the way of creativity if mm -hmm. not always gets in the way of creativity because creativity in in my observation always occurs in the unknown space it's the to me it's it logically it can only occur in the unknown space because if it doesn't occur there then it's contrived it's something that's been seen before it's been heard before it's something that we've experienced before so genuine creativity has to have some element of like i don't know i don't know where i am i don't know what this is um but just responding to that. And it requires a great deal of trust and, and faith in, in yourself and in, in however it's going to go. And, you know, that, but that brings us up against uh, some pretty deep seated fears, <laughs> Oh yeah, you know? And uh, so it's, it is, it's a, it's an, interesting problem to confront and to try and and solve and it i i don't think there's an easy solution to it but um you know it's it's something that that we have to at least first acknowledge and then and then confront yeah i think i mean in in some ways it's a it's a practice right it's like it's 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 like going to the gym or going it's like it's just a muscle that that you you sort of have to keep keep practicing and and uh it, yeah you, you were brandon i think you were talking about control and that that like you know it's hard to let to to you know to to let go of of controlling an outcome or controlling where things will go and that's that's the same that same part of our our brain and um 
I know that anytime I, I read about, about kind of neuroscience and what, you know, it's like whatever the psychic kind of worlds, every single writer will say, we know like 2%, you know, it's like one little bit of our, our brain and we kind of figured out what's actually going on in there. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, to me, it's like, okay, then we know that there's amazing, mysterious shit going on inside of us that it's just really difficult to access. So he's like, that's yeah. the challenge. Yeah, so, I, I've, I've just started reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle or Tolle. I I don't, it's one of those books because it's like, you know, it was, it was kind of a mainstream book. So I immediately was just like, nah, no, I'm not going (laughs) to. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to like be seen on the bus reading it. You sort of like read it just. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you're reading the power of now. You're (laughs) like, how basic can you be? Um, (laughs) But uh, I started reading it. I'm like, I'm like, this is a really good book. Um, But yeah, like there was, he brings up this one point that, that like a single human cell that's the size of you know the fraction of you know how however small a cell is he's like it contains enough genetic information in it to fill 600 pages of a thousand books (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm just like holy (laughs) like that's like that's just like it's it's like how can you even fathom the the just the mysterious like workings of of and the complexity of of life you know like just like let just one cell let alone the whole of of everything like it's how how can we how do we know anything <laughs> when you think about yeah. it you know yeah yeah so true we we you know we just kind of know like that little bit of how we've, we've sort of figured out somehow how to like survive. I think that's maybe what most of our energy kind of go, goes towards and, and, um, but yeah, it, it it's amazing. Yeah. That's and I amazing. mean, and to say like, it's not to like knock on it. Cause like, there's definitely tremendous value and utility to that, you know, like learning how we can survive better and live longer. Those are, those are wonderful things, but there's still this ocean of mystery that we are are just surrounded by constantly. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like, um, you know, something that's, we have a law in this artist philosophy that Evan and I identified, which was the law of trust. And um, it seems to kind of actually come come up for me a lot right now because there's certain manu- like steps or maneuvers. I was going to say maneuvers. I'll just say it. But like the, the maneuvers you made, like choices you made in your life that, um, yeah, you were stepping in the unknown, but also it took a lot of trust. Like mm. you, you said, Hey, well, I'm going to move out of this city. I'm going to go to, you know, a more rural area. We're going to have a farm, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and then to, 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 you know, you did this with your partner and you, you figured some things out. It's like, um, do you do you find that trust plays a lot into because you're you're kind of i mean from what i understand the artist farm is not necessarily like it's not necessarily like 
we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this as much as it's, there's a certain amount of like, you're open to certain things. So with that must come trust. How does that work for you? Yeah, good. No, it's, um, it definitely has taken that. And there's been these kind of gut check moments of, you know, back, I, I would say now we're at a place where, where it's sort of, we have one gut check a year. Are we going to be able to, is this like, is the cash flow going to, going to happen? Is, you know, are we going to be able to pay all our bills? That happens once a year. It used to be literally like once a month and then maybe like twice a month. So, you know, there were lots of gut check moments. Um, and I, I found, um, you know, if, if I, if I wasn't taking those walks up into the forest and just um, really thanking, thanking the universe uh, for just giving me this time and this experience and this, and kind of really acknowledging, oh yeah, this, like I wouldn't have come this far without all this support. If I wasn't doing that, I wasn't sleeping. So I had, it was sort of like, okay. And, and I got into that, habit of that's how that's how i i can i can kind of surf through this these these moments because those gut check moments are definitely challenging for for all of us right like you just like not knowing if you're going to be able to to pay your your bills is Mm -hmm. not uh um it's not a it's not a healthy way to live and no one can live that way for too long so you eventually just kind of develop ways that that um that doesn't happen once a month or twice a month um but yeah it was a lot of that kind of that kind of trust and and um really just trusting in in that intelligence in the universe that okay i for some reason we 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 came here and there's been like there'd be these just incredible moments and you'd be like how how did this happen how did how did we all how did we pull this off and um and then you know that everything like i'm sure we've all experienced you'll you'll this is part of i think art making too where you get these like flowering moments right and we all kind of work towards them and suddenly it happens and and you're you know have a party and you're just like you know, hugging everyone. It's like this amazing feeling. And then, and then it sort of like dissolves into the, into the universe, back into the universe. And, and you're just sort of left in your, in your cold, dark room, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, and those, those are, are, those are scary moments. I always found like that to be maybe like the hardest part of, of the artist's life yeah the moment after right and uh and you know there's it's almost like the you you've taken a breath you release the breath and now you're at that kind of whatever that is nadir or like before the next breath and uh and you're almost like am i going to be able to take another breath will that will that next breath happen but yeah it was all it was it's definitely looking back it was trust and um you know moments of just sometimes Sandy would, would, would kind of push me through and then vice versa. So you look into your partner, your friends or your community. Um, I think, 
gets us through too. I mean, I want to dig a little deeper in this, if you don't mind, because um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I really like where we're going here. But um, so, uh, first of all, it's incredible. I just want to say that you went from having gut checks once every month, once every two weeks, so once a year. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a huge yeah. win. And I think for like all artists out there, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of what we all want. We want to go from, oh, I don't know, to like every other week to like, you have some consistency and once a year it's like, yeah, it might be hard, but like once a year, that's like, that's growth. That's development. Yeah. Um, it sounds to me like, and I'm just, I'm, I'm asking, but like, it sounds to me like a lot of trust came from building a certain amount of experience, uh, building a certain amount of relationship and building just a certain amount of, um, self exposure to the unknown like does any of that resonate i I, i'm that's what i'm hearing and so i just thought i'd throw that back at you yeah i think it's tolerance that 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 it's like learning to tolerate that um with us i i think coupled with some um what's the word some uh uh clear-eyed uh self-critical analysis it's like okay what's working what's not working let's um you know the probably the the biggest gut check of our of of you know of this whole experiment has been was maybe in 2015 where um i mean we were fried we were fried sandy and i and it was it was showing in all ways like we had just had i mean our, our son was was three uh, you know, and our daughter was, um, I guess seven, but those kind of three years we had had growing this, this festival that we were doing every year, circus, all these things. It was just so much going on. Um, and, uh, and we weren't, we weren't surviving. Like we weren't, we weren't making money. We weren't, um, you know, at the end of the day, we were paying all these people and we, we were just barely scraping by. And, uh, and it was affecting everything, including our marriage. It was like one of those moments where it's like, it's, are we going to be able to survive? And we, we had, you know, we really had to kind of cut, nip, talk, like do all to make some of those really difficult decisions. Um, and once it was amazing, once we made those decisions though, like uh, it, um, it, it, what, what that was, I think was actually less, it was about get, getting rid of certain things in our lives, but it was also about getting closer to what mattered to us. We, we realized, oh, this is, we want to do this work and this other stuff as fun and flashy and kind of as much recognition as we're getting for it, we need to let it go. Mm. That's an incredible gift that, um, you know, being, being down in the depths can give is just like it, can bring stark clarity yeah. <laughs> to things, you know, where you just like sometimes brutal clarity on things. But that's kind of the remarkable thing about it is that you find it and then suddenly like you're immediately, you're immediately starting to climb back out. Like it's like, it's an actual, at least how I've experienced those situations. It's, it's like a visceral sensation, you know, it's like you've been, you know, uh, just just crawling around in the the murkiest depths of you know your soul and your reality and then 
you have this realization that like I can't I, I can't be here anymore. Like this can't go on anymore. And this this clarity comes in and that oh okay yeah like this has got to go this has got to go and this has got to stop and this is what needs to happen and suddenly you're just like oh wow i'm already up on my feet again like you're back up on your feet like you're not necessarily out of the out of the woods but you know like you're on your feet like within you know and there's something uh just so extraordinary and breathtaking about about that position I agree. Yeah, it was, I mean, looking, it's, I think from, from, especially from the vantage, we're looking at it now, it doesn't always feel that way. <laughs> yeah. moment. You don't always see it that way, but yeah. It can be hard to appreciate it at the, <laughs> when you're in the shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like the moment after you're kind of, you're, you're, you're just sort of moving, you're moving forward and, and, and then you look back and go, Oh God, that's so, that was so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to say we uh, we're we've approached you know we've we've passed our sort of witching our witching hour, uh, so to speak. We can continue on, but I thought I would just bring it up. Um, we're about uh, 70, 70 minutes or so into the conversation. Um, is there a on. is there a um, is there a happy place where 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 podcasts live in terms of length? I'm assuming there is. I mean, it, it, not really. It all depends. Like podcasts are all over the place. I mean, Joe Rogan can do a podcast for three and a half hours. Right. So, (laughs) right. Right. I've heard about like, he's like the most downloaded podcast or something. Yeah. That's right. All time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have yet to, uh, to listen to, to him, but wow. I mean, podcasts are like, talk about a, a awesome new space, right? Like that's just, exploding i mean it's the place it's pretty much the only media form where you can sensibly have a conversation like the one that we're having now mm-hmm. right <laughs> right because if it was to like any if it was if we were doing video or something you would people just wouldn't they, they wouldn't you would need to have like something for them to look at and it would be more produced yeah. yeah, you kind of got to sit down and you got to look at the whole thing and like, do you really just want to sit down and, and watch some heads talking? You know, right. some people do right. and and I have, yeah. but you know, it's like, it's great. We can sort of just take a conversation on the go with you and just, and just listen. So um, we'll just quickly segue uh, to the thing that we always do here, which is we talk about <laughs> the uh, traditional, you know, beverage that we're, we're consuming. I know you've, you've brought a beverage on as well. Uh, I'll I'll kick things off. I'm I'm having uh, a beer from a local Gibson's brewery here, Tapworks, which is nice. uh, one of the one of the best spots in town. Uh, and this is one that they just added to uh, the menu for the time being. It's called uh, I, I had to just because the name is called Crispy Boy, <laughs> uh, spelled spelt B U O Y. Okay. And uh, it's just a lager. It's just a it's just a nice, light, easy drinking lager. It's uh, it's a winner. So. Is it crisp? I, I'm assuming <laughs> it definitely is crisp. <laughs> it's a crispy boy. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'll go next, I guess. Um, so I'm having this thing from Fuggles and Warlock, and Ooh. it's an apricot IPA. Um, 
Yeah, it's good. It's um, it's more apricot than IPA, that's all <laughs> I say, which I actually am delightfully surprised by. And it's also, if anybody is actually watching the video, it almost Oh, there's looks, a video. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, by the way, so when you're picking your nose, you got there. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you can see it looks almost like apple cider. It looks so thick because like there is like real like apricot bits in there. So I've been enjoying oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Real apricot. Okay. Uh, I, um, so yeah, I mentioned uh, to you, Evan, I have uh, love beer, especially love craft beer, but I've been, um, my body has, has just started to reject beer. It's like, a, I don't know what has happened. It's a sad, sad development in my, in my life. But uh, so I didn't get a chance to drop by and get our, one of our local ciders, but I do want to, to, you know, make a shout out to the, to the, to the cideries here on the Sunshine Coast, because the Sunshine Coast has gotten a ton of play, I think, for its breweries, which are, which are kind of, you know, like popping up all over the place. But the cideries are also popping up all over the place. So um, way to go, Sunshine Coast. This is made in Delta. And someone introduced this to me. It's a gin smash, uh, gin and tonic in a can. And I cannot believe it's called Tailspin, uh, Icy Lime Twist. But I'm just shocked that, that this has not been um, invented before. Like, or at least I've never <laughs> seen it, gin and tonic in a can. I'm, I'm just like, why? That should completely, you know, take over the market of... Uh, but yeah, so that there's my uh, my drink. I I have uh, I have enjoyed a local gin smash on occasion. So up at uh, the at the brewery there, or the I guess distillery, and just yeah. just uh, anything. Just like you're saying, like you know, these things are are starting to pop up now, and uh, and uh, it's it's great. I love that we're you know, it's like it's like the the breweries are kind of the thing that kicked things off, and now we're like, and then the cideries. And now we've got like the distilleries now. It's just yeah. like the whole thing. It's like a whole new world out there. <laughs> it totally is. I know. It's like, um, thank God. Cause man, I like, I'll, I'll, I think, I feel like, I mean, I grew up in the, I graduated in 92 and, um, you know, it was like Labatt Blue and Molson X. Like that was it. It was like what you drank. So yeah. we're, uh, the, the kids these days, I've got a wide palate. They might be still drinking Labatt Blue and Wilson X for all I know. <laughs> um, let's just jump into our questions. Yeah, let's hey, Brandon. It. Sure, let's man. Let's do it. Oh, let's I didn't it. give you warning for this one. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Chad, but don't worry. We we kind of like to just sort of surprise people with this because <laughs> we don't want anybody to think about it too hard. Um, we've got seven questions uh, that okay. we like to ask all of our guests um so just you know fire them off as uh as as it pops into your mind is there uh, a is there kind of like a, a limit to my response no no no, no. Okay. you can go on you can go on for the next hour okay we <laughs> as can long as it's this... interesting <laughs> yeah okay so like we're gonna we're gonna match joe rogan here yeah, yeah. all right <laughs> all right um do you want me to kick things off brandon yeah you start all right what is the most important book you've ever read? Okay. The first book that came into my head is 
uh, Crime and Punishment. And I can't even tell you why, but it was just the first book that came into my head. I read that when I was traveling through um, Europe as, a, as an 18-year-old, um, you know, backpacking through kind of Southern Europe. And I remember reading it and just um, the, for the first time, uh, just like getting why people read books. It was, you know, I hadn't, I like up until then I, I kind of read, you know, because I had to, but I was like, Oh, this is such an incredible story. And then from there I've, I sort of became a lover of, of, of reading. So. That's awesome. All right. What film has had the greatest impact on you? Okay. Greatest impact. Well, I, um, I'm going to say, again, this popped into my head. I um, watched 2001, A Space Odyssey, when I was at, uh, in Montreal, um, going to Concordia. I remember seeing that film and just kind of, um, I may have been a little high, but, I, but it was like, it was just sort of mind-blowing mind for me. And then I, I think I quickly went through uh, all of... Um, Oh God, the director, amazing director, blanking on his name. Stanley Kubrick? Kubrick? Stanley Kubrick, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I went through like the canon of Stanley Kubrick, but that that was uh, was pretty like mind-blowing experience in the the theater too. Seeing that film in the theater is like kind of, I think, essential. Hmm. It's an, it's a great one. It's like they did, they've done such a terrific remaster on it. I've got, I've got it on blu-ray and i remember watching it and being like this looks like it could like it was shot you know not long ago like it looks so recent and and the shots the cinematography too is just like it's stunning like you just it's it's jaw-dropping filmmaking so um i don't know if you saw so that 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 um what did what did they call it it's not like a plinth but that that large like like the obelisk or obelisk is, yeah or that yeah. that you see at the sort of uh at, i don't know near the beginning of the movie um recently i saw i don't know if it was a joke but like in the desert they found a thing that looked like that and people took we were taking photographs of it and then this is just recently like in the last two weeks and then it was gone like like a, a couple of days later, which it must have been a, a prank, but it's like uh, kind yeah, of. It went. was I, I saw that because there was there was a few that popped up, and it was like a it was an art piece that was like kind of orchestrated oh, okay. by a few people. But okay, um, okay, yeah. I was totally suckered in. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> aliens! No, no, it's still cool though. <laughs> um, all right, your next question: uh, What is a song or album? that takes you somewhere okay uh the album is uh ziggy stardust um and the spiders from mars and and the 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 reason i um so like i said i graduated in 92 um i had uh sony walkman and that tape cassette and i listened to that every single day walking up the hill to catch the bus to go to school so it's like I'm immediately back in my in my kind of awkward teen self. Nice. You're, and, I think uh, I think you're the first person to bring up Bowie. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Because like, but you know, talk about an artist, man. Like that guy, it it just sort of. I mean, he was never stopped. Like he just never stopped. He never took a break. Even like his death was an orchestrated art experiment, and um, yeah, I I really. Um, but and that album, I've got to say, as a concept album, is like the concept albums don't really exist i think anymore it's just because of the way music is is distributed but it's kind of like a every song's got a got a story mm. yeah i love how i love how music can take you back to a certain time in your life it's like there's so many 80s songs <laughs> there's all these right. movies i used to watch and like i hear those songs and i'm just like i just like immediately i'm back there from like the 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 movies you watched were playing the 80s songs so that's yeah. what got it yeah and and yeah. I, it's it's funny because i don't even know if it reminds me of the movie but it like kind of but it reminds me of that time in my life and yeah and i almost i guess i guess i'm like i i do filmmaking but like i guess that was kind of my like entry into filmmaking but so uh. certain songs like in the 80s I guess that's when I started to kind of be like, wouldn't it be so cool to do this? And it brings <laughs> right. me back to that very like kind of neat feeling, but uh, yeah, nostalgia can be kind of a cool thing that way. Oh yeah, totally. And it's a, it's like you connected with it in some, who knows, like some unconscious level. We don't who knows what, what draws us to it. So yeah. Yeah. Where do you think creativity comes from? I think it comes from the heart. I think it comes from the heart. Like I, I think we're, we're, we're like, um, yeah. I mean, I know we spent so much time talking about the brain, but I, I think, I think the heart is, is the heart's this, this, um, organ in our body, you know, it's so central. It's so, it's, it's, it's so, it's like, we talk about an open heart. Yeah. I, uh, again, I can't, um, I can't, I, I, I'd have to think about that more, but, but that's what, that's what jumped to my mind. I can, I mean, I, I just want to say I can relate to that because like, I, I, I have noticed that when I let myself feel mm. and I let those feelings kind of go, that, that a lot of creativity does come out of that. And it's kind of like, I mm. do kind of find that in my heart, you know, it's like, um, very central for me. And it's much like the wave when I let it come from the heart as opposed to the head. Mm -hmm. It's much more like being on the wave of nature. It's it's very much more in control than I am. It doesn't. It's kind of like the conduit point for me. Anyway, mm, I just yeah. want to add to that because I've noticed that for myself recently. Yeah, my my wife was saying that you know when when the lockdown started to happen and we started to get these these you know like okay stand six feet away from from people. She was saying, oh, you know, there's, there's studies that say we can actually feel each other's heartbeats, even from that distance, that our hearts feel, feel it, which really struck mm -hmm. me um, that, that was sort of a strange um, coincidence that, that, that they've had these studies that was like six feet away, we can feel each other's hearts. And then that was the distance that they prescribed that we, oh. that we, <laughs> we yeah. separate ourselves. So, hmm. Hmm. That's very interesting, but we that, that we 
we don't have time for to do. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to the next question. All right. Uh, how or where do you find inspiration? Yeah, um, I find inspiration mostly in the kind of spaces in between, I find. So it's like um, usually it's when, first of all, it's usually when I least expect it. Um, it's usually when um, I am um, maybe doing something else. But when I say the spaces in between, it's sort of like I, I, I've, I've, maybe stop doing something, something's ended and something new hasn't yet unfolded, which is interesting because that's what I said was also the most depressing time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's maybe where the inspiration comes to. So, yeah. Very cool. What is one thing you would tell your childhood self? Not to worry so much. I would, I would be like, Hey, you know, first of all, you, you are, um, you know, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll, you know, you'll sort whatever kind of things you, you are like, you know, you'll, you'll meet girls, you'll find, you know, like you'll figure shit out. Like, just don't worry so much. <laughs> And your final question. Aha. Uh -huh. What would your future self say to you now? Don't worry so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're the first person that's done that. <laughs> I've been waiting for someone to say the same advice. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That that is unfortunately I have uh <laughs> you know, I, I've learned to like maybe be a little, a little less. I mean, I was a neurotic kid, and I'm not a neurotic adult, but I have neuroses that definitely, you know, speak to my wife about that. She'll, she'll talk <laughs> your ear off. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> well, does anybody have any? closing comments so just about the conversation any final thoughts on on the words that have been said or things that weren't said that would like to be said i mean i just like to say that this is this has been a gas like i i uh really brandon it's my first time meeting you and and uh i i i look forward to to you know getting to know you and get to know your work and and um and Evan, you know, this is only the second time I, maybe that we've met, but likewise, and and um, I, I look forward to to uh, to kind of listening to more of your podcasts and hearing hearing this this conversation. Well, hearing this conversation, but hearing the other conversations unfold. I don't know if I'll be able to listen to this conversation. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to listen to yourself. <laughs> we've recorded like over 200 episodes and i'm still not used to it so oh that yeah that must be the hardest part it's like oh god that's what my voice sounds like like oh terrible we all hate the sound of our own voice i think 
Over 300, Evan. Yeah. What? Yeah. Holy shit. Is it over 300? It all started over, it all started Evan and I having beers trying to work out a script. And we ended up just spending the first hour just talking. And then we were like, we should record that. That was a good conversation. <laughs> right on. <laughs> And then you did that? Then the next time you just, you just like, yeah, yeah well, we, we had a, we had a few, like, it's kind of started out where we were meeting and then we kind of just were like, how you doing? How's things going? And, you know, we we're both artists, career artists, right? So we've been working it out. And then um, it kind of went from coffee to like, why don't we go to a craft brewery? And then <laughs> that's when the conversation really started. And then we were like, we need to record this for us. And then somehow the podcast idea came into the puzzle and, here you go we're here right on which is and great. we just kept and we just kept the beer as tradition yeah, as, as part yeah nice um well, i look forward to it. i want to just say that it's not it's not necessarily summary or anything but i want to say that for me personally as an artist I, i'm i'm really grateful you came on um because you've actually in in your answers and your share have actually helped me answer a few questions in my own journey mm -hmm. as an artist and i think that i'm putting I, i've been putting some puzzle pieces together over the last year on a few things and just your perspective helped me kind of go back to some roots and also just i i don't know like remember like and i think the big takeaway that i'm walking away with here is just walking into that unknown with a sense of play mm. to me that's just such a big takeaway today because yeah there's so many times where i'm just like um and i feel like i used to do that more when i was younger and I feel like as you know, you get older, you, you get more responsible maybe, and you start maybe doing that less. And I'm like, why? Just go into it with play, you know, mm -hmm. just go and have some fun and see what happens. And you know what? Whenever I do that, it always works out. So that's what I'm taking away from it. So I thanks for everything you shared. And that's a big thing that I'm taking away today. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I would I'd kind of like to sort of piggyback on that it's like yeah it's it's like i've my big takeaway is like you know what like you'll figure it out you know just like step out there you'll figure it out the the path will appear beneath your feet but step out and and you'll figure it out so that's mm. that's uh, i think that's wildly important i think that that's something that if we really lived that that would transform our whole lives so um you know, I'm going to work on living more like that. So, well, and, and yeah, and we're all like, it, 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 I take hearing that back from you guys and I go, yep, that's same with me. And that same, it's just a practice. It's like every day reminding myself of, of those things. So, um, right on. Now you got to go play those guitars, all those fancy guitars. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe when uh, all the lockdown is is uh, is a thing, and that's just in our memory, you'll have to uh, come by and check them out for yourself. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Chad, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you sometime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And and thank you again for inviting me on. Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.